It's 9 o'clock and it's time for Mav Day. We talk with Colorado Mesa coaches and athletes. Jim along with Tyler Franson, a.k.a. Cake, today on the Team Sports Network. A couple of things to offer up your opinion about today. Could find out, uh, we should find out today around 4 o'clock of Todd Helton. Made it to Cooperstown. Does he get 75% of the vote or better to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame? Do you think he gets in? Also, where'd you rank Todd Helton compared to other retired Colorado sports greats? Text or call us, Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. It's 970-242-1340. All right, it's time to talk a little Colorado Mesa men's wrestling this morning on the Jim Davis Show. Talking Colorado Mesa sports on Mav Day on the Jim Davis Show. And with us right now, Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, coach of the Maverick men, Mike Mendoza. Mike, how you doing, sir? Doing good. Well, first off, we got to talk about uh, some matches that got postponed, canceled, certainly for uh, the ones at Sterling against Northeastern Junior College. But uh, you also had that trip to Shadron State postponed uh, because of the just the horrible weather that uh, the entire West was going through. Give us an update on that about uh, Shadron State and, and what that looks like in terms of getting those matches in. Yeah, so we're looking at rescheduling those, and it looks like that that could happen uh, maybe the first week in February. I think once we get into this part of the season, it's it's pretty heavy. You know, we got two duels this week at home, two duels away uh, next week, so it's you know our, our schedule is pretty heavy. So trying to reschedule is a little bit tricky, but looks like we we might be able to do that uh, first week in February. So just need to continue working towards uh rescheduling that but yeah it was a it was a tough trip you know i think you go and you you know the weather's a little bit um you know bad and you hope for it to clear up but you know in the end we just we took a a bus ride and had some team bonding but but no competition unfortunately yeah like i said hopefully get it uh, rescheduled for the first part of next month and and that also impacts the women's wrestling team also. They were scheduled to a wrestle and a duel against Shadron State, so that impacts Travis Mercado's team as well. I do want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Dawson Collins, who it's been a while since we've chatted, and Dawson won this honor a, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks back, but uh, he went 4-0. He was named the Armac Wrestler of the Week with a couple of uh, victories, uh, knocks off a, a two-time defending national champion during that stretch of going 4-0 a couple of weekends ago. Dawson Collins wrestling really well for you right now. He's hot, yeah. He he wrestled great that weekend and really just put together good matches against, you know, not only the two-time defending champ, but also the guy that was ranked, I want to say, fourth or fifth in the country at the time. And, you know, not a big surprise. I mean, Dawson's an All-American, so he's definitely, you know, in that arena to compete well against those guys. But certainly, um, you know, had a great weekend and, and beat two really quality opponents. Yeah, that weekend, of course, Dawson himself, uh, an All-American, a 125, beat the two-time defending NCAA uh, Division II National Champion, four-time All-American Cole Lea of West Liberty uh, during uh, the Mavericks duel over in Colorado Springs. Right now, along with, uh, of course, Dawson Collins and the job that he's doing, Mike, kind of take us through, give us an update of how some of your other wrestlers are doing. Let's start at the lower weights, like Dawson, uh, some of the guys and how they're doing right now. Colin Metzger at 133 is, is you know, he's wrestling great as well. And, um, yeah, knocked off some, some guys at that same at the national duel so we went and and wrestled a a west liberty that's ranked fourth in the country and narrowly missed beating them lost 20 to 19 against them and 
Um, but yeah, he's wrestling uh, great as well. And then, um, you know, I think we jump up to 157. Ryan Wheeler, you know, our returning All American at, at, at 157, has um, had some great matches um, as well. And then, um, really kind of surprising is, is 165. And not really surprising, last year he redshirted Gus Dalton. Um, redshirted for us, had a good redshirt season, and and this year, um, you know, wrestled really well at Midwest Classic, and um, you know, jumped himself into the national rankings as well, beating a couple nationally ranked uh, guys at 165, um, and then at 174, a true sophomore for us, uh, kind of has had the same season, uh, went to Midwest Classic and knocked off some nationally ranked guys and put himself in the national rankings as well and so both those guys are are wrestling extremely well 165 and and 174. Mike Mendoza coach of the Maverick men's wrestling team with us today on the team sports network so as you mentioned Mike had a couple of uh, home duels a chance for uh, Maverick wrestling fans to get over to Brownson and uh, watch your wrestlers uh, compete this week and it'll be Adams State on Thursday, and then New Mexico Highlands on Friday, both nights at 6 o'clock. Give us a, a preview of Adams State and New Mexico Highlands. Adams State will be they're the, they're, they'll be tough. They've got um, a really tough lineup. You know, they're undefeated in duels right now, and I think they just knocked off the number three ranked team in the country. And so, yeah, we'll have our hands full there. You know, where we're good, um, they're good as well. So I think, you know, like at 125, you know, we've we've actually squared off with their guy at the Midwest Classic and dropped a close match to him. Um, and so um, at 125, it'll be a battle. Uh, 133, they've got a, an All-American there that's returning. So our Colin Metzger will um, definitely have a great match there. It's going to be really competitive at that weight at 140. I mean, the whole lineup is going to be really competitive. Um and I look at 157, where we have our returning All-American that was third in the country last year is wrestling the number one ranked um, returning national champ from Adams. So that'll be a great match as well. Um, you know, all the way up and down the lineup. I mean, I just look at just really competitive matches where you know even the ones um, you know where 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 the underdogs are definitely you know have a good chance at, at knocking off some some guys that are maybe ranked ahead of us. And, and at the same time, you know, um, we've got some matches where, you know, maybe we're, we're favored to win. And so it'll be a battle where you got to, you know, pick up bonus points somewhere in, in matches and, and then not give up bonus points. That's what close duels come down to. Mike Mendoza, coach of the Maverick men's wrestling team with us on the team sports network. So Adam stayed on Thursday Friday's New Mexico Islands, and a guy that's wrestled well for them as of late is uh, Declan Miller. But uh, give us your thoughts about the, the Cowboys and, and how they're wrestling right now. Yeah, you know, we haven't really ran into them too much. We had some, some we wrestled, you know, their, uh, them at the uh, Tracy Bora duels, but that was our second team that wrestled them. And so, um, yeah, our, our our starters haven't really ran into them too much this year, but uh, yeah, they'll be a team that we certainly can't take lightly and uh, need to be ready for. And, and and really, it's the challenge of you know you've got one duel on on Thursday and then got to make weight and wrestle again on Friday. So 
um, you know, that, that can get a little bit tricky and tough. And so we'll just focus on Thursday first and then, and then make weight and wrestle on Friday. Um, so looking forward to both those teams being here in our gym and being able to host them and, and have some fans out in the stands for us and cheering us on. Absolutely. So Thursday and Friday, home duels for the Mavericks over at Brownson Arena. Thursday night, it's Adams State, always one of the, the better programs in the RMAC. And then New Mexico Islands on Friday. Both nights, it starts at 6 o'clock. And get your tickets by going to the Maverick Athletic website. Hey, Mike, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and good luck against uh, the Grizzlies and the Cowboys this week. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Mike Mendoza, coach of the Maverick men's wrestling team. And as far as the women's wrestling team, they've got a little downtime uh, since their matches were postponed to Chadron State. Uh, they wrestle February 4th at the Grandview Open in Des Moines, Iowa. So they're off for a little while. But uh, the Maverick men in action Thursday and Friday, once again, 6 o'clock, both nights, Adams State and New Mexico Highlands. All right, text or call us, 970-242-1340. Got a text from Rory on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line. Rory and Loma never understood the color, the Coors Field effect. It's true they have, the Rockies have been so terrible for so long. Uh, it's it's true why they have the Rockies been so, so terrible for so long. And the Todd Fathers right behind Elway and all-time cover sports figures, in my opinion. Go Rocks. Marty today. To anyone watching baseball in particular, Todd Helton over the years, it's obvious he should be in the Hall of Fame. That said, ignorant voters will likely keep him out another year or two. I'll be disappointed but not surprised, just like I s- seem to be with the Rockies baseball year after miserable year. Thank you, Marty. Thank and, you, Roy. And Marty and... Marty and I are, are riding the same boat here. It's the same sad boat. <laughs> it's a very, it's not, we're not Titanic level, but we're, you know, we see the iceberg and we're not really steering out of its way. Gotcha. I said, I, I would love to see him get in today. It's it's going to be so close for him, for him to get in because when you look at, you know, Scott Rowland's kind of the, the guy that he's really, really competing against for the spot to get into the Hall of Fame this time out. And there's the expectation with those that, that, that track it, that uh, the Hall of Fame tracker, they've counted 172 ballots, about 45% of the expected total. Right now, as of yesterday afternoon, Todd Helton stood at 79.6%, Scott Rowland at 79%. And Ryan Thibodeau does, uh, he's is in charge of Baseball Hall of Fame Tracker, tracking the votes of those that put those out publicly. And, and Thibodeau told the Denver Post, it's like, I think it's looking like it's a real nail-biter. Roland is likely to be over 80%. 80% Helton may be there as well. He's able to maintain the rate of gained voters he's had so far. He has some opportunities for gained votes among the remaining expected ballots. And then you have uh, Billy Wagner, who's third at 73.5% as of yesterday afternoon. So it's it's going to be close. Helton, five-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove winner, 316 career batting average, over 2,500 hits, 369 home runs. It's his fifth time on the ballot. And so, once again, he does get back, though, to Larry Walker getting to the Hall of Fame. That broke down the wall. And yeah. Jason Stark had made the comment that 
that Larry Walker Walker has done for Helton what NASA did for the space shuttle. Namely, launched his candidacy into a whole different stratosphere. Nice. And so hopefully that Todd Helton can ride on the Larry Walker effect moving forward. And uh, just like I so said, if you have the, the Athletic, it's a really good piece on, on each one of the candidates, the ones that the Jason Stark thinks will get in. Like Scott Rowland and Todd Helton. And Scott Rowland had, what, ankle gloves? Guy was a tremendous defensive third baseman. Uh, better better hitter than you remember, according to Jason Stark. That he has the top three defensive third baseman in the American National League history is measured by baseball references. Defensive runs above average. Brooks Robinson, 294. Adrian Beltre, 216. Scott Rowland, 175. Mike Schmidt, at 127. And Stark speculates here that maybe part of the reason that Roland isn't taken as seriously or hasn't in the past been taken as seriously by voters because he's a pretty low-key guy, kind of like Todd Helton, kind of the same thing with Todd Helton, kind of a low-key guy. Right. Was not a guy that liked to self-promote. And so that tended to perhaps you know, lessen his notoriety to those following the game. Right. That Roland as Jason Stark refers to him, he was the Nolan Arenado of his generation. He was that good. That's some pretty good company considering how, at least in these parts, Nolan Arenado is still revered as as a defensive third baseman. And, and I don't think that's getting talked about nearly enough. Todd Helton had some pretty solid defensive prowess at first base absolutely something that was noticeably absent once he retired that first base position for the rockies save for a few good years here and there sort of peppered in reynolds justin morneau it wasn't as good defensively and yeah those guys had decent years reynolds was never the defensive first baseman that todd helton was no morneau was good but but not Todd Helton good, but they haven't had that long term answer. They've it's been the Rockies equivalent of finding the replacement for John Elway, right? And well, the, the Broncos you know they they had that that answer with Peyton Manning obviously, but then again they've been looking for now the the guy to replace Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson's supposed to be that guy, but certainly didn't look like that guy this this past season so. But yeah, they've they've been looking for that replacement at first base for a long time. You know, the, the Daniel Murphys, the Ian Desmonds, none of that's worked out. It shows how good he was and how misty is at that spot. Or his talent at that spot. Something else too to, to kind of mention. So this year is the thirtieth anniversary of the founding of the Colorado Rockies. Can you imagine? And we, you know, we dog on the Rockies a lot for all of the things they do wrong. And they do a lot of things wrong. But when it comes to marketing this baseball team, I don't think anybody does it better. 
can you imagine the amount of marketing and promotions and just the sort of elevating the game of how this team how this team's PR is going to play out if on the 30th anniversary of your team's founding your best player arguably for your team gets into the Hall of Fame I mean that would be that is PR media relations stuff of dreams right there you know yeah I, I like I said I hope he gets in today I think he's going to come up a little short we're also asking you about where you rate Todd Helton against other retired Colorado sports stars got one from Paul we'll, we'll focus on the Hall of Fame thing first uh, let's see Aren't you either a Hall of Famer or not? It's a fair question. Eras play a role in this? Analytics, I think, has... I think in some ways it probably has helped. Maybe some ways it muddies the waters. But I think in the case of Todd Helton, analytics helps his case. Let's see, Paul also has... Uh, let's see, he's got a bunch here. As for Sean, as far as Sean Payton goes, I could care less if they pay him fifty thousand a year. It costs me nothing. I don't go to Broncos games and would like to see them do well. Sign the dude. It's also offering up what the Saints want too, Paul. It's and he's also got to take into consideration: Does he want to go to Arizona? Does he want to? Does he really want the Broncos' job? Or does he want to kind of look at other options? Is the Carolina job appealing to him at all? You know. Really good defense. Brian Burns and company. Foreman at the running back spot. I mean, there's there are things to like about the Carolina job. Maybe not like the quarterback position. That's not great. No. But, well, but, it's but not certainly right now. But certainly that there's the potential to make that in a soft division make make a quick turnaround doing that. Let's see. He has some more texts here. Uh, let's see. Mm. He he did uh, he posed uh, the question uh, about Dak. Well, let me get to the other one first. Okay. How does a civil servant Condoleezza Rice create enough capital to be a minority owner of an NFL team that sold for $4 billion? Inquiring minds want to know. You know, uh, that's a, that is a question that I don't know if we're going to get a great answer to. You know, just looking at what she's done post-Bush administration, uh, Joined the Council on Foreign Relations. Don't know what that pays. Uh, she appeared as herself on 30 Rock and some other show called Everything Sunny All the Time Always. Don't think that was probably enough money to get her a uh, a spot in the Broncos as far as being a minority owner. Uh, she wrote a book. Probably made a few, uh, few shekels off that. I don't know what she got paid for being on the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. 
have no idea about that. So, Paul, I don't, I don't know exactly what Condoleezza Rice has done from a um, professional standpoint to generate that kind of revenue. I don't know. But she has, and now she's... And now she is. Part owner of the Broncos. Uh, let's see. Oh, it's the other one. Um, TD is a, f- a top five retired Colorado player. No way. Let's look at the resume, Paul, shall we? Hall of Famer. League MVP. In, 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 league MVP. Uh, NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Super Bowl MVP. Won two Super Bowls. Led the league in rushing. One of the few guys at that time to be a 2,000-yard rusher. So, I'm not sure what else. He's fourth. He holds 46 Broncos franchise records. So, uh, NFL records. Most rushing touchdowns in a single postseason. Only player in NFL history with 2,000 rushing yards and 20-plus touchdowns in a single season. Only 2,000-yard rusher to win Super Bowl in the same season. Highest career yards per postseason game average with 142.5. Most yards per season plus playoffs. I'm not sure what else you need, Paul. (laughs) Team records, league records, two championships, league MVP, Super Bowl MVP. What else do you need to be a a top five guy? What, What, what else? I'm sorry, Paul. What else do you need? And also, he's just straight up because there is a sort of unwritten factor here, which is that part of what makes these Colorado sports heroes just that. You got to like them. A lot of people, myself included, really like Terrell Davis. I'm just saying, Paul, okay, what? Tell me, okay, tell me what about what I just read. Says, nah, it's not, he's not one of the best athletes to ever play in the state. He's not a top five Colorado sports star. Tell tell me why. What, the length of the career? So you're going to be like the Hall of Fame was for a long time and you're going to hold that against him, though? Gail Sayers got in with a five-year career and never got to a Super Bowl. Don't believe he ever got to an NFL championship game pre-Super Bowl era. So so tell me, Paul, what about what I just read? Says, nah, no, no, that stuff's important. Now that stuff is makes him a top five all-time great in the state. You can say, well, it's the offensive line, Schlereth, Zimmerman, Nalen. Okay. But then you can say, well, Shannon Sharp's not that great because he had John Elway. John Elway wasn't that great because he had Shannon Sharp and Ed McCaffrey and Rod Smith. And Mike Shannon and coaching him. I'm going to say, when you say that, it's like, well, back it up with something, man. Back it up with it. I think I backed up my case. Back up your case. And, and the question: Anybody takes a shot at my cousin TD, we, cut, I, I got a problem. You, you gotta, you gotta protect the family. And and the question at the end: Should he really be in the Hall of Fame? Well, it doesn't matter now. He's in. You know, he's he's already there. He also says, "Do you remember that Todd was a starting quarterback at Tennessee? Great athlete. Totally agree. Until he lost his job to Peyton Manning as a starting quarterback at Tennessee." Like Todd got that, but Todd Todd was a really good athlete. There's no doubt about that. Started out playing left field for the Rockies. Wasn't even a first baseman when he uh, came up with the Rockies initially. 
I also says Dak the biggest dud in the NFL. Oh, let me just from, update up here. Uh, biggest dud in the NFL from I make over forty million a year club. I vote yes. I agree, uh, Paul. That's one. Okay, we can probably that's, we can agree upon. That's one where we go. Yeah, that's. There's uh, some things here, Paul. We do agree on. And he says Condoleezza Rice is worth twelve million. I'll, Paul, take your word for it. I don't. I. Whatever she's done, she's made enough money to be a minority owner of the Broncos. I know that much to be true. Okay, coming at you, and I knew that you guys were family. That's obvious. Christmas cards every year. The reunions every five years, Paul, you're talking the Davis family here. When you're talking the Davis family and you start taking shots at one of the members of the Davis family, there's going to be trouble, Paul. There's trouble in River City, my friend. I appreciate the text, Paul. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. And we're going to talk a little uh, Colorado Mesa men's lacrosse. Yeah, the season is fast approaching for the Maverick uh, men's lacrosse team. And uh, we'll be talking with uh, their new head coach, Troy Moyer, joining us in just a few minutes. We'll take a break and come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at the team1340.com. Cuckoo, loony, and crazy. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Get in the locker room with Colorado Mesa Sports. This is Mav Day on the team. And with us right now on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, he's the first-year head coach of the Colorado Mesa men's lacrosse team. And uh, with us on the line, Troy Moyer joins us. Troy, appreciate the time. Thanks for taking some uh, time out of your day to, to be on the program with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's talk about you taking over this program. Vince Smith steps away from the program, but uh, you're certainly familiar with the the ins and outs of the Maverick men's lacrosse program. Uh, you're the interim um, head men's lacrosse coach, uh, taking on those duties. Of course, uh, you've also served as the head assistant coach back in 2019. So it's it's been how's that transition been? Because obviously, it's players you know, a program you know, and. And I would imagine a, a a fairly seamless transition, or has there been some some challenges uh, taking over as the head coach? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, everything comes with its own challenges. However, I think you said it perfectly. You know, it was a pretty seamless transition. Um, it's tough to tough to fill the shoes of Coach Smith, and you know, he was a great friend and mentor to me, and still is. Um, but as far as you know, stepping into a role with a team that I do know, uh, with a team that's in a, a great spot, um, lots of lots of uh, senior leadership and, and upperclassmen that have been around the program now, you know, almost as long as I have, um, it, it made it, it made it pretty easy to step in and, and just continue down the path, um, clean up a few things. And I, I, you know, I think we've got a fantastic team here that just kind of is at the point where it would almost be capable of running itself just because we've got guys that, that know what we're about. So, and it also has to be a really nice situation, Troy, where you take over a program that has had, so much success, uh, really, almost since uh, day one of its inception, that that has to be a, a, a huge plus too. That there's it's also pressure, the expectation of doing well, but also the fact this program has been so good for so long has to make it a little bit of a an easier situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And kind of like I said, you know, we're not we're not uh, re- reworking the wheel here. Um, we've we've got our blueprint down, and uh, it, it helps. When the program's been successful, we kind of know what it takes and, and what benchmarks we all need to hit. Um, and that, that was my point, too, about having a lot of the returners, the upperclassmen that have seen where we've been and, 
and we've been super successful, uh, haven't quite reached our, our end goal. And, you know, I, I think uh, if you ask anyone on the team, they'll tell you our, our final goal is to obviously win a national championship. Um, so we're hoping that just by continuing at this thing and, and like I said, cleaning a couple things up, um, we're, we're, we're on the right track here. And we'll talk more about uh, the Maverick uh, lacrosse team in a moment because certainly a, a lot of talent returns from last year's team that went 14-4 and four and 5-1 and one in Armac play. Now yourself, uh, you played Division One lacrosse at Sacred Heart University back in, in 2016. You, were, uh, you graduated from there, got a, a Bachelor of Science in Exercise Science from Sacred Heart. So you can speak to the guys as, a, as like them, a guy that has played lacrosse, college lacrosse, and that has to help your younger coach and a coach that's been – on, on the lacrosse field like they have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think a lot of times uh, just in, in the coaching realm, it, it gets difficult because it's our job to sit around and, and game plan and watch film and, you know, all, know all the X's and O's, and that's our entire job. And these kids, they, they, they've got it tough. You know, it's, it's not an easy life being a, a student athlete. you got to be on the field for the same amount of time as the coach, and then you've got to go and, and be able to learn something else right in the classroom and so I think exactly what you kind of said being a little bit of a younger coach uh having gone through this pretty recently um although you know a couple years ago now um it just it it makes it a little bit easier to relate to the situation that maybe they're in and try and find different ways to to approach the situation right I can't expect everybody to always be uh bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in the morning maybe that guy had a a late night studying for a huge exam that he wants to do well on it so just kind of you know keeping that in the back of my mind and, and trying to relate back to the players and put myself in their shoes a little bit, I think that's where maybe that comes in handy. Colorado Mesa men's lacrosse coach Troy Moyer joining us on the Team Sports Network. You have the luxury, Troy, of, of having uh, your, your top four guys in terms of, of uh, goals this past season, points uh, returning led by James Steinke. So a nice situation to be in when you have all that talent coming back. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're super excited to have those guys back. And, you know, they've, they've just been excellent all along. Not only are they getting it done for themselves, but they're, they're leading really well. And we've got a really talented freshman class as well. I think they're, they're kind of getting overlooked a little bit just because of the talent we do have at the top. Um, but they're, they're, they're making sure that these guys, you know, kind of fall right in and, and know what's expected of them and, and can even step in and contribute as well. So, um, yeah, those, those top four guys, uh, you know, Stanky, Jed Brummett, uh, A.J. Schweitzer, all those guys are, are, are fantastic players, but even more so I think they're fantastic teammates and leaders. You mentioned that uh, really impressive freshman class. Give us a couple of names, Troy, that we might be hearing this year and, and for years to come on this Maverick uh, lacrosse team. Oh, man, there, there's, a, there's a lot to name, um, and, and I'd, I'd, I'd be mistaken if I, if I call certain guys out, but uh, you know, just off the top of my head, Dylan Pless, He's a, a Colorado guy from Mountain Vista High School. He's he's looking to have a prime year. Uh, we've got Nick Moore, another another Colorado guy, um, stepping in from I think Grandview High School, I believe, if I'm if I'm not mistaken there. And then on the defensive end, uh, Ryan Pless, who's Dylan's twin brother, LSM. That's just fantastic off of face Austin on the wing. Uh, Brady Porter. Um, like I said, I, I could go down the whole class. I think they've been excellent as well, um, but just just some names to look out for. Troy Moyers, the coach of the Colorado Mesa men's lacrosse team with us on the Team Sports Network from a goalkeeping standpoint. Uh, Reese Sullivan was a freshman last year. He uh, started in 11 games, played in 14, 
Mac Bayless went 5-0 and for you last year, or I should say played in five games last year uh, for your team. Uh, did not pick up a win or loss in the case of Reese Sullivan. He went 7-3 and last year. So you've got some you've got some depth at that position and some youth at that position as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We brought in uh, two new freshmen this year, Don Pasquale from New Hampshire and, uh, and Luke Parrish from Grandview High School. Um, and, and actually, Reese, Reese Sullivan uh, decided to transfer out and go to University of Oregon, so he's no longer playing collegiate lacrosse. Um, but we've got Mac Bayless back and Calvin Doucette, who's a sophomore. Um, didn't get as much time last year, but to be honest with you, has, has improved greatly and, and stepped up his game as a leader also. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got some depth at the goalie position. I think we're, we're in a good spot there as well. A lot of guys that are willing to compete for some time. Troy Moyer, first-year head coach of the Colorado Mesa men's lacrosse team, joining us on the Team Sports Network. And so it gets started here on February 18th. Uh, Troy, you guys go to Colorado Springs, take on Colorado College, a, a program that has a very rich lacrosse tradition, along with a great hockey tradition as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're, they're fantastic at hockey. I've gotten to catch a couple of their games over the years. and um, Their lacrosse program as well, I, I know their head coach, Mike, really, really well. He actually uh, is an alum of the school I used to coach at before co- coming to Colorado Mesa. So just a small world uh, out here in Colorado and super excited to get to compete against them. Hey, Troy, we appreciate the time. Best of luck this season and we'll be talking to you more uh, throughout the course of the season. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, just a reminder, by the way, I mentioned that they're opening up at Colorado College on uh, February 18th and uh, over at, uh, at Community Hospital Unity Field, the first home uh, game of the season for the Maverick men's lacrosse team. That is against uh, Westminster coming up on April 1st. So you guys will be on the road for a while, Troy. Yes, sir. We are the uh, the road warriors, as we like to call ourselves. <laughs> so. well, we'll be talking with you more about uh, some of those road matches coming up. I appreciate the time today, and, and uh, good luck rest of the way. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Likewise. Troy Moyer, coach of the CMU men's lacrosse team. Uh, with us on Mav Day today. All right, nine thirty-seven. That is a lot of travel. Yes, they have. After they they go to Colorado Springs, which is nothing in, compared to in states. Yeah, they go to North Carolina. Oof. They play three games there. Then they go to Kansas City. Okay. Then they go over to Salt Lake City to play at Rollins College. All right. Then they go to Florida. Oy. To Melbourne and, and Tampa, and then West Palm Beach to play University of Tampa, which is always one of the the best programs in the country in in lacrosse before they open up at home April 1st against Westminster. So a a lot of traveling for the uh, Maverick men's lacrosse team coming up in the near future. All right, time for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, this Sunday, San Francisco could punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. We'll go back, though, to 1982. First time they went to the Super Bowl, Ray Wershing kicks a Super Bowl record tying four field goals to help the San Francisco 49ers beat the Cincinnati Bengals 26-21. Also on this day, 2010, the New Orleans Saints make it to their first Super Bowl. The Saints uh, beating Brett Favre and the Vikings 31-28 in overtime on uh, Garrett Hartley's 40-yard field goal. 2010, Peyton Manning throws three touchdown passes as the Colts beat the Jets in the AFC title game. They were down 11 first-half points, beat the Jets 30-17. Also 2014, Carmelo Anthony scores a career-high in franchise record 62 points 
but not in a Nuggets uniform. Ah. In a Knicks uniform, Knicks beat the Charlotte Bobcats 125-96. to And 2016, Bradley Roby picks Tom Brady on game-deciding play to send the Broncos to the Super Bowl. Broncos pick off Tom Brady's pass in a two-point try of 12 seconds left to preserve a 20-18 win for the Broncos and the Patriots to go to the AFC Championship game and, of course, win Super Bowl 50 over the Carolina Panthers. That was a really, really fun game. I remember I was at a bar watching it with some friends. It was insane. Good times, good memories. Good times. Hopefully, those days will be coming back at some point for Broncos country. Let's hope. All right, 940, the notorious MDG, Mike DeGeorge, the coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, joins us next on Mav Day on the Team Sports Network. They need a wake-up call. Call or text the Jim Davis Show on the Chick-fil-A team line, 970-242-1340. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. And joining us right now, the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, the coach of the 23rd-ranked Colorado Mesa men's basketball team, Mike DeGeorge. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Jim. Congratulations on another impressive win, another impressive road win. Uh, this has been quite a gauntlet, maybe uh, one of the more challenging regular season uh, stretches you've had since taking over the Maverick men. You, you go and, and beat uh, number 23 Black Hills State, hand them their first loss of the season. Then you go to Fort Lewis last Friday. There's the number 12 team in the nation, no big deal, right? And you get the win, at, which is always a difficult place uh, in Durango. Uh, very impressive the way your team has played on the road the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we've certainly, uh, you know, taken this challenge of this road trip on, and and uh, we're kind of at the last stage of it. And quite frankly, we're we're running on fumes here, so hopefully, we got enough to put a, one more good effort together. When you go back to that game at Fort Lewis, where uh, Trevor Baskin, who was named the Armac Defensive Player of the Week, he had uh, 15 rebounds, but he had uh, 14 of those were defensive boards uh, to garner that honor. That honor, just a, a really big night for for Trevor Baskin getting the double double. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so many of those rebounds were like, we just didn't have great positioning in there because we got caught in rotation or whatever. And Trevor just went up above the rim, above everybody, and just snagged it off the rim as it was coming off. And so those were really like uh, possession changing rebounds, a lot of those. So they really did impact the game dramatically. And, uh, you know, he had a big, big game on the glass. And then also, you know, he made it, forced it a few times with the whole group. Yeah, we had a lot of turnovers. Um, but overall, he had a great offensive night and defensive night for us. And we also have to talk about Blaze Threat, who not too long ago was named the RMAC Offensive Player of the Week. 21 points, really good night, Mike, shooting uh, 10 of 16 from the field and that one against the Skyhawks for Blaze. Yeah, we've kind of found this formula where we're really defending at a higher level, and I thought we just did an unbelievable job as a team against Fort Lewis because uh, they're just so talented offensively, really contested all their shots, and and didn't let their quickness, uh, you know, break us down. And, and so that was awesome. And then, uh, you know, the ball's moving way better on offense for the most part, and it's not sticking with guys as much. Uh, particularly, I go back and I'll watch the game film, the last year's game against the teams that were about to play. And when you watch the games last year, the ball just moved so much slower. We had way less action within our offense. And we kind of have this sense that let's get the ball moving, we'll break them down. If we don't, we got Blaze that can go make a play for himself or somebody else at the end of the clock. So having that kind of a lead guard that can go make a play for you uh, is kind of reassuring for everybody 
that we don't need to get stuck in isolation mode and, and try to make a play individually. We can do it collectively, and then you know, we got him to bail us out if we need it. CMU men's basketball coach Mike DeGeorge with us on the Team Sports Network. You've won 10 straight. And, and during the stretch, only nine out of the, nine out of the 11 games that you've uh, played in recently, you've shot 50.9% from the field. And so making more than half of your field goal attempts, I mean, that, that's been a big part of this run is how efficient you've been on the offensive end. Yeah, and again, it kind of goes back to that ball movement. We're just, we got good athletes, we got good players at every position. And so if we just get the defense moving, the guys have done a good job recognizing when somebody has that big advantage to take, uh, to, to exploit. And, uh, rather than just letting the defense be whole and us trying to break them down, um, you know, with no advantage gained. And, and so that has become a bigger and bigger part of our offense. We've seen our percentages go up significantly. And I think one of the things, too, against the Skyhawks, uh, Cott got his, the leading score in the conference, 22 points. Actually held him two under his average for the season. But nobody else in double figures, that was uh, crucial in that win. Yeah, and I thought we did a really nice job on him. We got called for three fouls on him and shooting threes. Um, and if it wasn't for those three, and I, I, two of them were definitely legitimate. The third one I didn't see. But, you know, he's just so hard to contest. But, you know, we just wanted him to be aggressive with him and really force him to just fade. He's got this incredible step back. To his left hand that if he, you know if he goes left which is weird because he's right-handed and gets to a step back he just is is so efficient at shooting that three uh with range and we just really worked on trying to take that away from him um and you know i thought the guys did a good job of that and it wasn't a real efficient night for him um i think he had uh you know he had quite a few shots still and so other than those free throw attempts i thought we did a pretty good job on him and then Everybody else, we just really wanted to be an aggressive rotation team and force him to beat us off the dribble and make that extra pass, uh, something they haven't done consistently this year. Colorado Mesa men's basketball coach Mike DeGeorge with us on the Team Sports Network. Mavericks uh, play at Westminster tonight. It's a Westminster team that uh, right now is 5-8 and eight in conference, 6-13 and 13 overall. Uh, Trey Ferrier for them, Mike, uh, one of the leading scorers in the conference at almost 18 points per game. Uh, they also have uh, Taylor Miller that's uh, about 11.5 points per game. When you look at uh, you know, offensively, they're averaging 72 points per game. Outside of those two guys, uh, maybe a couple of the players that uh, certainly you want to limit what they can do tonight when you take on the Griffins. Yeah, so you know everything kind of centers around them for around Farrell. He can, he's a you know very bouncy, low-post player that can uh, do a lot of things. He's a Division One transfer from Utah Valley, and uh, has been putting up big numbers for him and really kind of helped the last couple of years has been just really sound defensively as they always are and they just have struggled to find that offense and so he kind of is that offensive spark that gets the guys going and then where are they going to get that second score from um taylor miller's been playing great the last uh the last few weeks and then they got a couple of different wings Avelu is a guy that can really beat you with his athleticism and then dowdell is a transfer from BYU who's a great three-point shooter and if he gets he's had games where he's gotten going uh and if he sees his first one go in he's likely to hit four or five so uh you know it's 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 really this balance between trying to handle their low post play uh but if we get so focused on that and they get that second or third score uh that's really when they've had big nights offensively I think for Westminster too they're uh, one of the uh lower percentage uh, teams in regard to free throw percentage this season and so they haven't got; they don't get to the line a ton. And when they get there, they they're not particularly efficient at the free throw line. 
Yeah, they've had an interesting year. Their uh, their numbers kind of across the board are all average, and we were talking to our team about that. It's like, don't be fooled by that because, you know, they're 1-10, in 10, I think, now at, on the road, but they're a very good home team. So whatever their numbers are, if they work out average, that means they're pretty darn good at home because they have not been very good on the road this year. So, uh, you know, free throw shooting and three-point shooting and all that stuff at home just is way easier, and, um, you know, and you're always going to get a few extra calls at home just because the impact the crowd has. And so, um, you know, you just got to be ready for a team that's going to play at a really high level, which they have at home all year. I know during stretches last year, I mean, your team played exceptional, obviously, to get to the uh, South Central Region uh, finale against Black Hills State. But this year, I mean, this has been a special season you put together with, with 10 straight wins, beating two you know top 15 opponents on the road that – yeah, I, I know you probably don't like to compare seasons, but because the ultimate goal is to get where you were last year against Black Hill State and even farther in the NCAA Division II tournament. But uh, in comparison to last year, these are some some pretty big moments with this winning streak and, and considering what, like I said, what you've had to do, go on the road and beat a couple of uh, you know two top 15 teams. It's been, been an impressive stretch, Mike. Yeah, it really has been. I've been really impressed with just how much growth we've had since that kind of bad opening weekend. We put ourselves in such a hole to open the weekend, the open conference for two losses at home. And, you know, really proud of how this group has come together. And, you know, we kind of got exposed for some weaknesses that weekend. And they didn't make excuses. They've embraced, you know, the changes we needed to make. And they've made them. And the has us playing at a way higher level than we were earlier. And, I mean, Jim, as you know, ultimately – in basketball, your season comes down to how you play at the end of the year. And so, you know, uh, right before COVID hit, and I think it was 1920, you know, that team played at a really high level at the end of the, of the season to, to win the conference tournament. Um, and then, you know, uh, last year we made a similar kind of run in the NCAA tournament. And uh, so, but I, I think this team is probably playing better than any team we've had since we've been here at this point in the season. And I, you know, I'm hoping, and I think we got another level to get to too, which is pretty exciting for the end of the year if we can keep getting better. Yeah, fourth in the conference right now, ten and two, tied with Fort Lewis. You have the advantage because you you beat them down there last Friday. The other team that you beat, Black Hill State, they're in second. And Mines, uh, Cutler School of Mines, is still on the horizon uh, for the Mavericks on the schedule. Focus is tonight, though, Westminster, and we'll have it on the team. Women's pregame at 4:45. They tip it at five men at seven o'clock tonight. And and Mike, one final thing. It's kind of a unique weekend with playing Fort Lewis on Friday, off Saturday, Sunday. Now you play tonight on a Tuesday with Western coming to your place on Saturday. It's a chance to maybe, it's like I said, it's a unique weekend. It's not a Friday, Saturday. A chance to maybe catch a little bit of a, a breather for your basketball team. Yeah, I mean, we got to get through tonight, and then we'll take uh, tomorrow off and uh, hopefully kind of regroup with three home games. I mean, if we can get through, we told the team, like, if you can just get these next four before we start this road trip, you know, we're going to be back in the hunt. And then we have six of nine at home, and then, you know, Black Hills and Fort Lewis and Mines all have a lot of games with each other still, and we just have the one game with Mines remaining of those top four. So tonight is just a huge night for us, and it, it'll be a big challenge. Hey, Mike, I appreciate it. Good luck tonight. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Likewise, Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team. Once again, our coverage starts at 4.45 today, 5 o'clock for the women. That's when they tip it off the minute 7 o'clock tonight from Salt Lake City when uh, the Mavericks score off against the Westminster Griffins. All right. Coming up on uh, the end of our show for today, on tomorrow's program, we'll uh, talk with uh, Cody York. 
from Mile High Sports Radio. Get the latest on the Broncos coaching search. Also, Fruto Monument have their uh, their Hall of Fame coming up on February 7th, and uh, we'll talk with Dean Hall. Dean was a classmate of mine, played football together at uh, Fruto Monument, state champion wrestler. He's going to join us tomorrow. He'll be going into the uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame, so we'll have him on tomorrow's program. Also, Connor McGahee will join us tomorrow, and I believe Katie Wingy, uh, who covers the Nuggets, will also be joining us on tomorrow's show as well. So uh, make sure you join us tomorrow for a Wine About It Wednesday with Talon Wine coming up tomorrow with uh, Cake and myself starting at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. So uh, text to call 970-242-1340. Um, Mike at Scottsdale. Good morning, muchachos. Paul Condoleezza Rice had a long academic career at Stanford before serving in government. She was the provost at Stanford from 93 to 99, and she has served on boards. Uh, the, Car- the Carnegie, or Carnegie is actually how you're supposed to say it, but it's Carnegie. Mm-hmm. The Carnegie Corporation, Charles Schwab, Chevron, Hewlett Packard, uh, Rand, etc. Let's stick to sports. Okay. Thank you, Mike, for providing some clarification. I didn't have time to do that kind of deep dive. So, Mike from Scottsdale. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And now we know. And now we know where. The rest of the story. <laughs> the rest of the story. All right. Uh, and Paul acknowledges probably right about TD. There <laughs> feels, you go. He feels shame for disrespecting my family. <laughs> it's okay. Cousin TD will be Never all right, go against the family. Never go against the family, Paul. Never go against the family. All right. Jim Rome's coming up next. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks again for joining us for Cake. I'm Jim. Thanks for listening to the team. Sports Network.